0: This episode of New Politics was released on the 11th of December 2021 and produced on the land of the Wangal people.
1: Welcome to the New Politics Podcast. I'm Eddie Djokovic, Editor of New Politics. I'm David
2: Lewis, Accept no substitutes.
1: We've had a focus on independent campaigns over the past month, and we've looked at the seats of Kooyong, Deakin and Goldstein in Melbourne, and this week we're looking at the seat of North Sydney. Now, it seems that independents could have a big influence in the upcoming federal election and there are some very, very motivated people who are running as candidates and the common thread is that they've had enough of the way that politics is just being run at the moment.
2: I think it's disillusionment with uh, the major parties. It's interesting that they're all in, at least normally and in some cases safe, Liberal Party seats. I think one of the things that is playing is that A lot of people have pointed out that they're not Labour voters. They're not really left-wing. Centrist is probably the best description for them because even if you think they're still right-wing, the right has been pushed so far right that they end up in about the centre. Whether this is right or wrong is a debate for another podcast next year or, or something. But certainly that centrist movement what we might call reasonable people. And in fact, where I think Australia tends to sit politically coming back, I think you could make an argument that it is due to the poor candidate, lack of policy and lack of leadership from the various liberal governments, particularly federal and New South Wales, but particularly the federal government, driving people to say enough is enough. And Doing their best to either unseat a candidate, as we saw with uh, the Shady Sukar campaign in Deakin, or to bring people through and try and unseat a candidate. It's a challenge. I spoke to Kylie Tink, who has nominated to stand for the seat of North Sydney. Welcome to the New Politics Podcast, Kylie.
0: Thank you for having me, David.
2: So let's cut straight to the chase. Why are you running for North Sydney? What can you offer the voters of North Sydney and the Australian Parliament?
0: You know, David, entering politics wasn't something that I actually envisaged for myself. But um, with some space last year, I think, which was created for all of us thanks to our COVID lockdowns, I really began to observe what was happening at the federal government level here in Australia. And I had the very disturbing realisation that a lot of the decisions and the discussions, decisions being made and discussions being had at that level were actually completely incongruent with my own values. And I believed that my values are pretty typical of the people who live around me. You know, the the people of North Sydney were the second largest electorate in the country. Um, We're leaders, we're thinkers, we're creators, we're feelers. And yet when I looked at how our North Sydney vote was being made and placed in Canberra, it became evident really quickly that whenever North Sydney votes, we vote exactly the same way as Barnaby Joyce, which, you know, which meant that our North Sydney vote was being used to block debate on climate and um, adopting, you know, more ambitious targets. It was used. It was being used to block debate around an integrity commission. And it was, using, it was used to block the referral of Christian Porter to the Privileges Committee. And I, I just honestly, once I learnt that, I couldn't unlearn it. And um, so I started on a process of, of looking at how I could be part of a solution for us because I do think the political environment in Canberra needs to change. And during that process, I was actually approached by a community group who were already working on the idea of... Um, getting an independent candidate into federal parliament for North Sydney so that North Sydney's true voice could be heard rather than it being consistently subsumed by party politics. So um, that's where it all started for me and that's just over. I launched in September. So, you know, we're three months into the campaign now and I think the further I've gone into it, the more I've had the opportunity to talk to people about the things that are important to them. And um, the more convinced I am that the only way to bring about, you know, a progressive yet economically responsible government is to actually increase the number of people on the crossbench who are able to bring sensible debate back into the house. So how would you describe yourself politically? Yeah, look, I come from a small business background. So my mum and dad have had small businesses their whole life. Um, I've built businesses and um, worked in my family. So I'd describe myself as somebody who is economically conservative in that I believe that people should have the opportunity to work hard and get ahead. I believe it's really important that we have a climate in Australia that encourages investment and innovation and, you know, provides a really robust and healthy economic future for our children. I am, though, also very socially progressive in that, you know, I believe that as a nation, we need to continue to grow and to challenge ourselves around what it means to be Australian. And, you know, I think I've heard that phrase, the Australian way, invoked a number of times recently by our federal government. And each time it sort of comes leaves their mouth, I'm struck by the idea that what they're suggesting is the Australian way is completely out of alignment with what I believe the Australian way is, which, you know, is optimistic and resilient Um, it's stoic it's accepting it's creative yet I think recently you know we're being told the Australian way is think small stay mean so yeah I think that that's the combination of me I think I have you know I am a true centrist I believe we get things done when we're working together and I think that it shouldn't be diminished to a you win we lose you know kind of mentality all the time. We need to work together to get the best outcome for our country. So
2: having described yourself
0: as a centrist,
2: how do you respond to claims you're part of a broader organisation or even a plant for the ALP, the Greens, the Liberal Party, the UAP or One Nation or any others?
0: (laughs) It's almost a compliment that every existing political party would like to claim myself as a candidate. I think that's That's quite amusing, actually. You know, I think for me a massive part of this is reflecting on the position that we find ourselves in as a nation and a realisation for me that I believe the best politics is about the people and that it's really important that people who represent communities when they become involved in an environment like the federal government are there as a mouthpiece for their community. I think where we've gotten to as a nation at the moment is that politics has become about parties. And, you know, in that scenario, we're in a a win-lose situation where one group of people want to be the bosses of everybody else all the time and, you know, they tend to operate and move in a fashion that is, well, you've given us the mandate, therefore we're not going to talk to you for another three years. We're just going to proceed the way we want to proceed because you've told us that you know, we're the best. So I actually think that that kind of comment when it comes out from people who are involved in party politics is actually just an expression of their own concern about the strength of independence standing. Because there's no doubt, you know, I, I believe the Australian government operates really well and actually, you know, more efficiently when you have a strong crossbench that is significant enough that it actually invites the powers to be back into the chamber to debate and discuss the legislative reform that they want to bring about versus, you know, decisions being made behind closed doors and horse trading and, and you know, secret deals that nobody else ever hears of.
2: How closely are you working with other independent movements?
0: I've been fortunate enough now to meet a number of the other independents that are running Um Zali Stegall for me was definitely part of um, the inspiration to stand, I guess. You know, I saw her take on that seat and run against Tony Abbott and I think she's done amazing things since she's been in Warringah. I have a lot of respect for Zali and the work she's done around the climate bills, um, the truth in, you know, politics bills. So I, and I've, since I've been announced, I've had the opportunity to meet her, which has been fantastic. I think the way you would describe um, how we are all known to each other is actually um, on the basis of people who have very common values and a common desire, but who are all working, you know, very separately with a, a focus on our specific communities. But it's very useful. I think I don't think people understand how hard it is to run as an independent. Um, it's incredibly difficult, you know. Whether we like it or not, at the moment the way politics is in Australia, it's very expensive to put yourself forward as a candidate for a federal seat. And when you're doing that as an independent, there's no there's no party bank there to back you. Um, you know you really do have to work incredibly hard to engage with your community and invite them in to support you and become part of the vision um, and so I think what is particularly great about this time in politics for me is you know this is this is a massive um, step for me that you know, I'm taking because I believe we need to see significant change at that federal level. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I'm, for me, I'm doing it at a time where there are a number of other people just like me who believe the same thing. So we are able to talk to each other at least to offer each other, you know, that moral um, support um, and to, you know, I guess keep cheering each other on because, as I said, it is it is really hard to run as an independent and... Um, I think it's a fight worth having, though.
2: Now, do you think there might be a new political party come out of all these independents?
0: No, I don't. I, I I think what's happening at the moment is that the people of Australia are looking around at the decisions that are being made by our federal government and the discussions that are being had at that level and are feeling that they're very disenfranchised and simply not heard in the Parliament House. You know, I I think what's really interesting is that, you know, our constitution wasn't actually written for political parties. It was actually written to ensure that, you know, the geographies of this country have an equal voice as it comes to be in a singular location in Australia. And to me, the rise of independence is actually probably a rebalancing of you know, how our political system is meant to work best. I mean, this is meant to be a system that is about discussion and discourse um, to bring us to a common point as a nation. And the fact that we can see, you know, our nation fracturing and breaking down into that very, you know, federated states kind of perspective to me says that the leadership is missing at the national level and it's missing because we're no longer having constructive discourse so you know i can honestly say whenever i've traveled overseas i have never described myself as a new south welshman you know i am australian and i think that that's what is the best part of our federal government is that it has the capacity to create a vision for our nation that we can all pursue and be proud of
2: A lot of the independent candidates running seem to be women. I haven't done a statistical count, but there's a lot of uh, independent women. Do you think that's a coincidence or is there something else at play here?
0: There's no doubt that the majority of the independent candidates that have announced so far are women. There is um, Rob Priestley is running as an independent in Victoria, so we do... um, you know, and Rob is a great candidate who stood up down there, so I'm excited to see him running as well. Um, do I think it's a coincidence? I think the reality is that there are so few women involved in federal politics at the moment that it doesn't take many of us to stand up to make it seem like there's a lot of women trying to get involved. Um, the reality is uh, David, I'm, I don't haven't done the numbers myself, but I think if you actually sat down and looked at the number of seats that have announced an independent, it's probably still only less than a dozen of us, you know, and as we know, it takes 76 seats to form government in this country, so <laughs> we're by no means, you know, the majority of the parliamentary system. But, yeah, I, I do think that it's not a coincidence that it's women standing up from the point of view that I think generally speaking, you know, federal politics does not have a great reputation for how women are treated at that level. And I think when it comes to stepping into the political fray as a woman, for me, I actually feel, you know, to a certain extent that running as an independent allows me my freedom and means I won't fall you know, victim of a party system that involves bullying or gaslighting or, you know, unfair work treatment. So from that perspective, I think that probably explains why so many women are choosing to run as independents. It's simply safer, in inverted commas, that way.
2: I'm going to give you a hypothetical, and that is, is that it's election night, all the seats have been counted, you've got the balance of power. What factors help you decide which uh, side you'll support to sit on the government benches?
0: Yeah, that's a question I get asked a lot, actually. I think a lot of people have... a vision of perhaps a hung government at the next election. I mean, the first thing I would say is we're still several months away from an election and, you know, and the result is very much in the hands of the voters, as it should be. You know, I'm very hopeful that the North Sydney electorate will choose me and I'm hoping they'll choose me because they actually want North Sydney's vote in Canberra to count towards achieving some of the changes that they want to see made. My mandate is very simple. I'll have two two entities that I will be beholden to as I enter federal politics. They are my local community and my own conscience. So from my point of view, if I was to find myself in a situation where I was part of a crossbench and either a party or any party, anyone with leadership ambitions basically, was looking to gather support, it would be all about the discussions around What are the issues that are most important to the North Sydney electorate, and brokering the absolute, you know, best response to those concerns as can possibly be achieved. So each issue would be weighed up on its merit and the evidence that's presented. And I think, again, I I actually I think that would be, you know, a great outcome for this country because it it has the potential to force legislative movement where at the moment we're just completely stalled. One point I will make
2: about uh, North Sydney is that it has had Ted Mack, who was one of the longest serving independents in federal history. So the voters of North Sydney will vote for good independents.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know, having Ted Mack actually as an inspiration is really important for me. And I think the people of North Sydney do know how much can be achieved under a strong independent, you know, Ted was very much a man of integrity Mm. and he did put his community first and stood up in many instances for votes that he felt were, you know, important to represent his community. So outside that, we've been a Liberal seat the entire time. But I, as I said earlier, I really do feel that, you know, there is a real appetite for change in the North Sydney electorate because I think... The more people find out that our vote is currently being used to block, you know, more ambitious targets on carbon reductions, to block debate around a Federal Integrity Commission and to block movement to hold politicians accountable to a higher standard, to me, those are things that the North Sydney community would not support. And, you know, that's why I think it it is important that we do have robust discussions around what's going on in Australian politics at the moment. And this probably will not apply to your listening audience um, in this podcast, but I would really ask those that are listening to consider having a conversation with their friends and family around the importance of being mindful of participating in our democratic process. You know, I think a lot of us live on autopilot when it comes to the politics of this country. We just trust that the people that we send to Canberra are acting in a way that is consistent with our values. As I said, I didn't foresee a future for myself in politics, but as I've stood up and started to really look at what's going on in this country, you know, I've I've learned things that I simply cannot unlearn and I I really want people to celebrate or to really embrace the fact that every single person's vote in this country is equal. you know, Your vote, my vote, the Prime Minister's vote, my 18-year-old son's vote. It's worth exactly the same amount wherever it's cast and however it's cast. And I think if we're at all dissatisfied with this political system in Australia, then we need to own that we've created it. We've enabled this system where we have party dominance, which basically removes all constructive debate and conversation during any political term. And while that may seem depressing, the power in that is that if we've created it, we can recreate it. And I think we need to be brave as Australians and be prepared. You know, the parties are going to come after people like myself and say, well, independence can't achieve anything. You know, the parliamentary system will collapse into chaos, but that's simply not the case adding independent voices back into that chamber actually return government to what it was meant to be, which is a public forum where citizens can watch what their leaders are discussing, understand how the decisions are being made, and then have confidence that decisions have been made with a really robust and transparent debating process. The moment we don't have that certainty at all, we have no idea what goes on behind the doors of the major party rooms. We do know that you know. The other thing I would just say is that people talk about what would happen if a a party got sent into a minority government position. Well, quite frankly, the Liberal Party's been in a minority government position for the last six years because they've done the deal with the nationals to get themselves over the line. And we saw what the result of that was around, you know, our recent endeavours at COP26. Australia, you know, we may have adopted net zero by 2050, but that measure is completely useless. That will not help our kids. It will not help their kids. And the fact of the matter is Australia is still only chasing targets that were set by Tony Abbott back when we had, you know, the original climate negotiations in Paris. So my grandmother always told me that the definition of insanity was doing the same thing in the same way over and over again and expecting a different result. This is our opportunity. This is the time. I think as Australian citizens we need to stand up and say no more. This form of government is not serving us. It is not inspiring us. It is not leading us to be better versions of ourselves. And we can actually bring that about by sending some strong independent people into that house to pull debate and discussion back into the parliamentary process.
1: That was Kylie Tink, the independent candidate for the seat of North Sydney at the next federal election. And you can follow her campaign at kylietink.com.au. That's it for this New Politics podcast. Thanks for listening in. If you'd like to support our style of journalism and commentary, please make a donation at our website at newpolitics.com.au. We don't beg, plead, beseech or gaslight you about journalism coming to an end. We just keep it very, very simple. If you like what we do, please send some support our way. It helps keep our commitment to independent journalism ticking along. I'm Eddie Djokovic. Thanks for listening in and it's goodbye to our listeners. I'm David Lewis.